0: Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.
1: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Here we go, another Great show for you, we hope. Uh, We have lots to talk about, and we're so glad that you've joined us and letting us be part of your day. Next week is the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. But before that, there is another farm show in Illinois called Half Century of Progress. And farm broadcaster Max Armstrong will join us today to preview that show. Also, more reaction to the... Rumored lowering of the RVO levels under the RFS by the Biden administration's EPA will get reaction from Donnell Rehagen, CEO of the National Biodiesel Board. They've been wanting biodiesel levels increased and now they're looking at the possibility of them being lowered. And we'll take a look at farm bankruptcies with Veronica Nye, economist with the American Farm Bureau Federation. That's coming up later in the program. But we're going to start it off talking with Todd Neely, DTN reporter. Hi, Todd, how are you doing?
2: Good morning. Good to be here.
0: You know, here's an interesting story. Um, We've kind of not talked much about it lately, but this was a story at the time when the Biden administration came out and said, we're going to offer more money to get farmers to put more acres into the Conservation Reserve Program. And we said at the time, that's, that's going to be a kind of a tough ask because commodity prices are higher. So there's more incentive to not go in those uh, uh, programs like CRP right now because the market was saying, uh, hey, go ahead and produce, plant on those acres, and, uh, and the market will reward you. So it was kind of an interesting back and forth to see if they could attract more acres. Well, we now know about 1.9 million acres will be enrolled as part of the general sign-up but that is well short of the uh, goal that the administration had set.
2: Yeah, Mike, you know, it's an it's an interesting thing. You know, we're talking a lot these days about, uh, you know, money being spent on infrastructure, um, you know, big dollars. I mean, we're not talking about uh, small potatoes here. And you would think that, um, you know, as part of the climate plan under the Biden administration, uh, if Conservation Reserve Program is supposed to be, a uh, key aspect of how agriculture will cut back on carbon emissions. Uh, it's really kind of stunning to see uh, the USDA not have more money to spend and not really, uh, really work toward beefing up the CRP. You know, at one point uh, in 2007, we had 36.8 million acres in the CRP, and that was the highest it's ever been. And so now it's squared around 20, uh, 20.8, 21 million acres um, and so it's really it's really interesting to watch this uh, you know it just seems like time, time after time we're seeing uh, the administration say one thing and then turn around and we see the results being quite different as it relates to agriculture
0: yeah they had uh, hoped for an enrollment uh, around 4 million they're accepting 2.8 looks like they'll be well below that uh, cap that is set on CRP and uh, well kind of Kind of saw this one coming, right? I mean, if this had been at the time with low commodity prices, it might have worked. They might have gotten more acres.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, although lately we've seen the corn market get hit a little bit, but you're right. We've seen in the past couple of years, you know, the the commodity prices have have done pretty well, and um, you know, as that goes, so goes the ag economy. And so um, it's just going to depend on whether this is a an issue about uh, money or if it's an issue about actually cutting back. Uh, soil erosion and all the things in ag that, uh, that we focus on so much.
0: Yeah, that's always been uh, the big debate over CRP. Um, meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi wants to push ahead with three and a half trillion dollars for so-called human infrastructure, but she's getting some resistance from within her own party.
2: Yeah, you know, Mike, this is an interesting situation. You know, we look at uh, this whole infrastructure debate, and when you when you consider what this is about and all the people affected and all the people who might benefit from, uh, expand improvements on infrastructure, it really is a bipartisan issue. And the fact that we're seeing pushback in the house, um, you know, on this front is really quite interesting. Um, not sure where this is going to go, but it definitely raises the question, um, you know, whether we can actually get something, uh, fully across the finish line, um, you know, three trillion is a lot of money. And so, uh, it would it would come to you know it would seem that we would have at least a little pushback from both sides of the aisle and I guess that's what we're seeing.
0: And more people saying, as we said all along, pass the 1.2 trillion hard infrastructure—the the roads, the bridges, yeah. the uh, you know the broadband. Go ahead, you can get that one passed. Uh, don't tie it to this other one.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And this is something I think that it, you know on the on the face of it, it doesn't make any sense. I I do agree. I think we're going to see. Uh, quite a bit of uh, support for the $1 trillion. It, you know, as you said, it does go a long way in helping uh, rural America and on many fronts. And so you would think this is something we could get done fast, and hopefully that's what's going to happen.
0: Uh, right now, there are a lot of decisions by the Biden administration under scrutiny. Um, another one that we look at in agriculture is their their reluctance, resistance to fully backing biofuels at a time when they say they're trying to improve the environment and they right. want to lower gas prices at the pump, but yet they're going to, looks like, announce that they're going to lower the RVO levels, uh, the uh, required levels of usage for biofuels for this year. Uh, that one just doesn't doesn't make sense if when you've got so, an industry right here that can help you meet the goals you said you want to reach.
2: Yeah, it, you're very right, Mike, and I think Uh, You know, I think we could kind of see this coming. the fact that the the RVOs for uh, 2020 and 2021 have been put on the back burner as long as they have. Uh, You know, and then we've seen a lot of discussion about how fuel demand was down during the pandemic. Um, You know, you kind of saw this coming, but you're right. This is, uh, you know, people in the biofield industry will tell you that, you know, here we are, we're ready to grow and expand, you know, on a moment's notice. And it's really that simple. I think if you give RVOs that uh, show a, a need for more biofuels, uh, ethanol companies biodiesel companies tend to respond by, by producing more and I,
3: you know we're sitting
2: on a uh, we're sitting in a situation where there's a lot of uh, production uh, capability uh, that's probably not being fully used and uh, it's really it's really a matter of getting the go-ahead on the RFS uh, for these companies to, to jack up production.
0: And as we've said before, Uh, Because the rumor is they're going to lower the levels for this year, maybe increase them some for next year. If they're trying to play, find some way to keep both the biofuels industry and the oil industry happy, good luck with that. No one's found that that path, right? I mean, no one's found that that answer.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And this, uh, you know, although what we're hearing now, it just it just seems as if the biofuels industry is the one that's really taking the blows. And I think um, I don't know how long that can go on before uh, there's some some major pushback, uh, from rural America. Um, you know, it's interesting. It'll be see. We'll see what, you know, whether there's something coming down the road that might uh, weigh against the, yes, the oil industry. But right now it doesn't, it hasn't uh, appeared to be that way.
0: All right, Todd, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot.
2: All right. Thank you, Mike.
0: Take care. DTN reporter, Todd Neely. All right. Coming up uh, later this week, in Rantoul, Illinois, a big farm show called Half Century of Progress. And we're going to talk with one of the people very involved in that. Longtime farm broadcaster Max Armstrong will join us next to preview this week's big show in Rantoul. Hope you'll stay with us right here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up.
4: Heading to the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois this year. Be sure to stop by the Syngenta booth to talk with local agronomists and product experts. Then visit the Syngenta Square to relax and enjoy a cold beverage. During the show, Mike Adams of Adams on Agriculture will be broadcasting live all three days from Syngenta booth 441. Stop by to watch the show live at 9 a.m. That's booth 441 at 9 a.m. We look forward to seeing you in Decatur at the Farm Progress Show join us every
0: tuesday for around the table brought to you by chs as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges we'll be talking to chs experts and farmers and ranchers just like you and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day so join us for around the table every tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more
5: Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, featuring high-yielding extend flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology, elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system of choice. Extendamax is a restricted use pesticide. Always follow Stewardship practice's all pesticide label directions and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state.
4: Channel Seedsmen don't just sell soybean seed. You can trust them to understand your fields and place Channel Soybean products to perform. With the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, including triple stacked Channel Extend Flex soybeans, you can be confident you're getting the excellent weed control you want and high yield potential you need to make the most of the season. Find a seedsman in your area for recommendations for your fields. Check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Always read and follow grain marketing and all their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.
3: Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle.
0: I like that too.
3: Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council.
0: You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams.
0: So we are transitioning from state fair season into farm show season. Tomorrow, I will be in Decatur, Illinois at the Farm Progress Show site for our final Farm Progress Show preview as we look ahead to next week's Farm Progress Show. But before that, there's another farm show in Illinois coming up later this week. And that is called the Half Century of Progress Show in Rantoul, Illinois. Joining us now to tell us all about it is my good friend, our longtime farm broadcasting partner over the years, Max Armstrong. Max, how are you? Mr. Adams, I'm doing swell this morning. It's a privilege to be on with you. Thank you. It's great to talk with you, Max, and tell us about, there's probably a lot of, there's some people listening that aren't familiar with the Half Century of Progress show. Tell us a little bit about it, uh, how it got started, and uh, what, what folks will see later this week in Rantoul.
6: Yeah, we started this show actually 18 years ago to coincide with the 50th anniversary of the Farm Progress Show.
0: And the idea
6: originated with then show manager Mark Randall, who you may recall managed the Farm Progress Show, and he said, "Max, mm-hmm. we want to put some old tractors, uh, you know, representing those 50 years of the Farm Progress Show out here to to show, uh, you know, what the history has been like." And I said, "Well, there's one guy you need to talk to, Darius Harms and Darius was a longtime farmer there in East Central Illinois, and he got things rolling, and we decided, hey, there was a bean field across the road that maybe we could use for field demonstrations. One thing led to another, and it became ragingly successful. So the event has been held every other year since 2003.
0: So it'll start this Thursday and run through the weekend, right?
6: Yeah, it'll start Thursday and run through Sunday. And, you know, like the Farm Progress show itself, Mike, we do a demonstration show. It's not just old equipment sitting out there standing Mm -hmm. to be admired. Uh, We have acres of corn and soybeans. I think altogether probably about uh, 400 acres of crops out there. The old combines and the pickers will be harvesting at showtime once we start on Thursday
0: you mentioned uh the history of the show Uh, a lot of people come back each time the show is held right it's kind of a reunion of sorts for people
6: it really is i've said this many times and i think it really is true mike that it might have been the equipment that brought us together originally but it's the people uh, that keep us coming back. I mean, that we form so many friendships, and we, you know, have there's there's a little uh, good-hearted uh, ribbing, you know, between the John Deere and the international guys, and mm-hmm. it's just a a wonderful fraternity, if you will, uh, men and women who come back every show, and it, and it's only every other year. I think that's been part of the success: There's this pent-up interest and pent-up demand, and they can't wait till the next one.
0: You mean some of those John Deere guys might give you a hard time about uh, your red equipment?
6: <laughs>
0: Constantly. <You> know, <laughs> I,
6: already, there are some of those guys are already scheming something. I just know when I get there mm-hmm. Thursday morning, I'm going to have to be prepared for it.
0: Yeah, and you'll be ready for them. So there's so much going on. Um, Sanction tractor pulls Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That's a big part of it, too. You bet. Late in the afternoon, we get
6: a lot of interest in that, and again, it's just a great atmosphere as guys come together and and uh, sit there, and uh, such wonderful camaraderie, and uh, that brings folks in for sure. We we kick it off with a tractor ride on Thursday morning. It's a short ride because we want to get back in and enjoy the show at the old airbase uh, by noon. So that that'll happen on Thursday. And I guess I haven't really talked about the facility. That's one thing that really makes it interesting. Right. And so, so good for this show, Mike, is the fact that it's on the old Chanute Air Force Base, which gives us a lot of other things that we can access there.
0: Yeah, the the site is a big part of the, uh, the story, too. You're right. Uh, you have uh, daily parades, a lot of uh, pageantry with this show.
6: Yeah, we do a daily parade right down the main north-south runway. In other words, we're we're headed south. It's runway uh, eighteen, as we're going down the runway with the parade. And Russell Boer and I will do the uh, the call of the parade there on the PA system. But I mean, they line up, they line up golf carts and utility vehicles. Now, now that's a four thousand eight hundred foot runway, and it's almost the full length of the runway on both sides where you'll see golf carts and utility hmm. vehicles. It's amazing.
0: Max, you'll you'll draw people from quite a wide area, won't you, to this show?
6: You know, I kept track of it two years ago, Mike. I had a, a notepad in my uh, my bibs there, and I would make a note uh, toward the uh, end of the day of the people that I had, had met from the what states. There were more than thirty states represented there hmm. two years ago, and at that time, uh, five foreign countries. Now, I'll, I'll be surprised if we have inter- 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 any international. Representation this year, simply because of the travel bans. But last time around, we had people there from uh, Belgium, from Germany, from England, and at least Australia. There might have been others. Oh, Canada, of course, yes.
0: Well, it's been—it's really been fun watching this show grow over the years, and you've—you and some others have put a lot of hard work into it. So we encourage people, if they can, to make it to Rantoul, Illinois, this Thursday through Sunday for the half century. Of, of progress show i want to mention max uh, not only are people see of course on this week in agribusiness but you are also you work with farm progress and uh, you'll be front and center a very active very busy next week at farm progress show in decatur
6: oh yeah it's going to be a lot of stuff going on there a lot of dignitaries a lot of politicians but the neatest thing on uh, thursday afternoon mike and you could appreciate this we will honor master farmers now, those mm-hmm. in the state of Illinois, at least uh, in that Master Farmer program, and that's always a neat experience because these are people who have done some great things in their careers.
0: Yeah, that'll be a, a very special time. And the fact that back in person after the layoff last year, I think everyone looking forward to that.
6: You know, we are. I mean, you know, it's it's it really is a social event. You know, it's it's like the half century. People get together and it's a reunion. The exhibitors get to see each other, and they, maybe they haven't been together. Uh, you know, we did get together, some of us, last year for the virtual Farm Progress virtual uh, experience, but that certainly wasn't like the real thing.
0: Yeah, and speaking of virtual things people can see, you always do a great job of covering the Farm Progress show, putting together a lot of video, and uh, that'll be on the Farm Progress show site, as well as a lot of coverage, I'm sure, on This Week in Agribusiness.
6: Yeah, absolutely. We'll have some some uh, stuff there that we'll be posting from the show, and it, there's just a lot. As you know, there's a lot that goes on at the Farm Progress Show, and it's uh, you know it was it was scheduled to be in Decatur, Illinois this year. That was that was the, the plan originally, and of course that uh, as I'm sure you've talked with Matt, uh, uh, pretty much we're locked into coming uh, because of all of the contracts and everything. One more thing, I will, will say we've already harvested some of the corn at Tool. They harvested a wagon load yesterday and the moisture was 19.7 on it, which was uh, pretty exciting
0: (laughs) to have it down that low. Yeah. So, two big shows in Illinois. This week it's Half Century of Progress show, Rantoul, Illinois, August 26th through the 29th, this Thursday through Sunday. And then next week, next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Decatur, Illinois, it'll be the Farm Progress show. Max, I always look forward to hearing some of your stories about uh, some of the more interesting people that you'll meet at uh, these events. And as you said, you see some interesting ones and some that you see year after year. But there'll be some new ones uh, for you to see and talk to uh, this week at both Half Century and next week at Farm Progress Show. And um, that's a great part of it. You uh, you have, uh, in your career, have really, um, you know, made a lot of connections, a lot of good relationships and friendships through old equipment, right?
6: yeah really and and you know both of us you and i both have been so blessed with the people that we've met over the years we've been doing this over a wide geography and and they're just some unforgettable people who who give us great stories that uh, we we never never forget i mean we're just so thankful i know i am and i know how, how how much gratitude you have for the wonderful uh people that we've been able to meet along the way here we've been blessed haven't we okay our line dropped off so we lost max but um uh...
0: Again, we appreciate Max Armstrong for joining us. Max, of course, uh, this week in Agribusiness, you see him on TV each week. and uh, Very involved uh, with the Half Century of Progress show coming up this Thursday through Sunday in Rantoul, Illinois. The next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Decatur, Illinois, for the Farm Progress show. So two big shows coming up and the next month. We'll be in uh, Grand Island, Nebraska for Husker Harvest Days. Lots going on. All right, coming up next, we will have reaction to uh, proposed lowering of RBO levels for the biofuels industry by the uh,
6: EPA. Donnell Rehagen, CEO of the National Biodiesel Board, joins us next on AOA.
0: Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Choose the
5: proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extendamax herbicide with VaporGrip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state.
4: Anyone can sell you soybean seed. Channel Seedsman place products to perform. With Channel ExtendFlex soybeans and Channel Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans, you'll get the excellent weed control you want and the high-yield potential you need. Make the most of the next season with the Roundup Ready Extend crop system and expert recommendations from Channel Seedsman. Ask a seedsman in your area for recommendations for your or fields. Check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Always read and follow grain marketing and all their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.
7: You're listening to AOA, I'm Kirsten Rawl. Yesterday, the USDA announced a flash sale of 458,600 metric tons of corn to Mexico for the 2021-2022 marketing year. Crop progress was out after the close, which showed good to excellent ratings at 60%, a 2% drop from the previous week. The average estimate was for a 1% decline. As mentioned last week, it is the time of year where crop conditions become less and less meaningful each week. This morning, we are seeing higher futures for the grain and oiled seed sector september corn trading 8 cents higher at 545 and 3 quarters the december contract up 8 at 543 and a half cent for soybean september up 31 and 3 quarters at 1325 and 3 quarters the november contract up 29 at 1321 and 3 quarters for wheat chicago wheat september down 4 cents at 715 and 3 quarters minneapolis spring wheat september up 3 and 3 quarters at 928 and a half cent the december contract up 2 and 3 quarters at 9.08 and a half cent. For livestock both live and feeder cattle found strong support from the cattle on feed report with all contracts making new highs on Monday. The July cold storage report showed beef inventory at 401.3 million pounds, slightly lower than June but 9% below a year ago. The commitment of traders report showed funds as net buyers of 1961 contracts, increasing their net long positions to 70,773 contracts. For live cattle on the Board of Trade this morning, October up 75 cents at 132.70. The December contract up $1.17 at 138 even. For feeder cattle, the September contract $1.32 higher at 168.62. October up $1.45 at 172.17. For lean hogs, the October contract trading 37 cents higher at 87.85. The December contract down two at 81.37. You're listening to AOA, I'm Kirsten Rall. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens.
8: Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration,
7: you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't
3: actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no
9: symptoms, I had no headaches.
7: Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life.
6: So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early.
3: My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that.
0: Make a plan today to get your eyes checked.
3: Visit
10: brightfocus.org to learn more.
0: Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information
1: America's farmers and ranchers need to know on aoa now back to mike adams
0: all right so epa is expected to propose lowering biofuel usage uh, levels for 2021 perhaps increasing them next year let's get reaction to that from the ceo of the national biodiesel board donnell rehagen donnell thank you for joining us um I know this has to be frustrating to you because you've wanted to see biodiesel levels increased over the years and now you're looking at the possibility of them being lowered
9: well it's very disappointing for us if this is in fact the way things are going to be uh you know we're as an industry very well poised to increase our production and bring more of these clean transportation fuels into the marketplace and we kind of felt like that was what the biden administration you know was looking for cleaner transportation fuels and so we're uh, we're definitely scratching our heads on this one.
0: So they may be lowered in 2021. It's going to be a while before we know, and the year is almost over. Talking with Donnell and CEO of the National Biodiesel Board, I was saying lowered in 21, even though the year is almost over now, so that's frustrating in itself, but perhaps increase some next year.
9: The RFS. You know the law still specifies that there should be a final increase in 2022 of 500 million gallons for advanced biofuels and that's a category that biodiesel and renewable diesel fit into so we would expect you know at least that uh, but as i said earlier i mean we've got great potential this year much less next year uh, to see those kind of increases and to bring cleaner transportation fuels into the marketplace and again I think this is exactly what the Biden administration, you know, was looking for, and it was something that he spoke about on the, on the campaign trail. So we're really unsure of how, we get, how we've gotten to this position where what he said and what he's, uh, the administration is looking to do are, th- are that different.
0: Is this some attempt, do you think, to make both sides happy, biofuels and the oil industry? I mean, we've, we've gone through several years of trying to find that uh, compromise, and it hasn't been found yet.
9: Well, you're exactly right. I, I'm, I'm sure there's some element of that. We've seen this for years with the RFS. Uh, every administration has tried to find that sweet spot, you know, that keeps the renewable fuels organizations happy and the refiners happy at the same time. And, you know, I think from knowing a little bit about the RFS, I'm not sure there's a sweet spot like that. I mean, at the end of the day, Congress said we want more renewable fuels. They said that a dozen years ago, and, and uh, we, there should be increasing volumes on an annual basis. That's what Congress established in the first place.
0: now I keep coming back to this because, I mean, it seems so obvious. If, if your goal is, you know, to improve the environment, you have these climate goals that you've set and you're acknowledging the high prices uh, the motorists are paying and you could lower those prices by using a domestic industry that's in place and ready to produce to help you achieve both goals. But yet uh, the administration doesn't seem to want to fully embrace the biofuels industry.
9: Well, I think it's that conflict, you know, with uh, the, the oil refiners as well, looking to try to hang on to as much of the, their industry as they can. There is, a, there is a conflict here. And so I don't think it's something that can't be, uh, you know, a pathway found uh, through that challenge. Uh, you know, again, we're talking about uh, smaller volumes, in our case, you know, 3 billion-ish gallons a year. So a relatively small amount. Uh, when you look at the overall uh, you know, pool of fuel. And so um, it just doesn't seem like it would be this difficult to, uh, to see growth in our industry on an annual basis, moderate growth. We're not asking for exorbitant growth I mean, and, and growth at a level that we've proven that we can do. Um, and that sends those signals to us uh, and, and signals investment into our industry. And therefore, you know, it's a great thing for agriculture as well.
0: For a while, it seemed like this was going to be a huge opening for uh, renewable diesel. We heard about all the opportunities and the possibilities. But then again, the focus and the attention all seem to go back to electric vehicles. Where do we stand right now for uh, renewable diesel?
9: Well, renewable diesel is a very hot commodity at the moment, uh, and I think will be for a long period of time. It's very compatible. and and nearly identical to diesel fuel and so it makes it uh, you know an easy drop in replacement fuel and and 100% renewable and so uh, the, the RFS again will create these baseline for demands but we're seeing an increased growth in state policies that are drawing biodiesel and renewable diesel into their marketplaces as they seek their own goals you know to reduce carbon and improve the GHG profiles of the fuels that are being used in their spaces.
0: That's a good point, Donnell. We talk a lot about the federal level, but uh, more and more states are doing things, and and that's that really is a key moving forward. What these individual states do, what types of programs they set up.
9: Absolutely, we in NBB we've invested some resources in our state program to try to help those opportunities uh, come to fruition, and we've seen some success. This year, the state of Washington passed a low carbon fuel standard. So that sets up the whole entire west coast of North America from British Columbia all the way down through California as having a low carbon fuel standard. We've also seen success on the east coast in Connecticut, New York, and Rhode Island have all passed statewide mandates for bioheat, which is the blending of biodiesel into heating oil. So the, the areas that are the states that are most proactive. Uh, we're working with those states to get their policies right and to make sure that our industry is ready to step into that demand space.
0: Coming off uh, a tough year in 2020, where does the biodiesel industry stand now as far as production and uh, plants back up and going? Yeah,
9: our industry held pretty solid in 2020. Demand for diesel fuel, you know, held steady as uh, you know goods still needed to make their way across and around the country. And so uh, we saw a small drop-off last year in demand. Uh, this year we're, we're solid, at least as well as we were last year, if not a little bit better, and so we'll see how this year ends. But again, uh, I think uh, rebounding off of COVID, this was, had an opportunity to be a, a record type of a year for our industry. Uh, this uncertainty with the RFS just absolutely doesn't help that at all.
0: Yeah, that's a big part of this that I think gets lost, it's just the uncertainty. You need you need strong signals, right, for the industry to respond to.
9: Yeah, I'm, I'm big on the signals. I mean, signals of, of strength or signals, uh, you know, otherwise. And, and for us, the RFS was built to be a forward-looking, uh, to establish that demand in a forward-looking manner. And so when we're sitting here in August of 2021 and do not have a 2021 um uh, volume and then you look at 2022 is just not that far away um, it does create uncertainty it creates uncertainty in the form of investors, internal investors and external investors. Should we add more production capacity or not but also just in the sense of, of our customers downstream of them not knowing what volumes that uh, you know they should be purchasing?
0: I think of the history of your industry, how you've dealt with this. Uh, you just mentioned uh, they're way behind on announcing the RVO levels, something we've seen numerous times in the past from various EPAs. And the fact that you you need that uh, tax incentive that we've talked so much about, a lot of times that that would go out and be reapplied then retroactively. I mean, it, just, it seems like you, it's hard to keep everything on time for your industry and I would love to see if it all came together, where this industry could go.
9: Well, I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but this is sort of the industry that we're in. It's always one of a little bit of uncertainty. and And you're right. When you stack a couple of policy uncertainties on top of each other, it can really be Uh, devastating for an industry but I'm so proud of our industry and our members our producers that are sticking it out and they know that they have a great product they know that their customers want it and they just fight through this uncertainty they take the risk on because they know it's the right thing to do and that's what makes it so fun to be part of this industry.
0: Donnell with tight uh, stocks when we look at our soybean stocks uh, tight stocks uh, are your members or your plants across the country, are they having any trouble getting feedstock?
9: I think there are some that are, are starting to see challenges acquiring feedstock. Some of that is, uh, you know, there's been a lot of announcements and production capacity coming on in renewable diesel space and coming on in a big way. And so I think that's also created some near term challenges you know for feedstock across the board, regardless of whether you're producing biodiesel or renewable diesel so um you know we're going to hope that our nation's farmers have a have a great year great harvest this year and try to help return those volumes to uh to where we need them to be and that may be a that may be a multi year process for us but uh we're uh, we're expecting soybeans to be the the driver for the growth in our industry for not only next year but the coming years as well. Soybean oil is going to be uh the go to if if our industry is going to grow the way we need to and so we're excited about that as well
0: yep a lot of challenges. We'll see what this r v o announcement is and uh, I guess I haven't seen any uh uh battery powered semis um hitting the market yet so uh, it'd be a while before we see that probably
9: well you know there's there's some out there uh we've heard about them they're they're not the most effective i think there's some very very limited ranges for them and the charge times are pretty high as well so i'm with you it's going to be a while and uh, we've got great products to help
0: Yep, yeah, sure do, and we hope that uh, uh, more and more will turn to the domestic biofuels industry that we have right here in place to help uh, help meet our, our needs. Donnell, always good to talk with you. Thank you very much.
9: Thank you, Mike.
0: Donnell Rehagen, CEO of the National Biodiesel Board. Yeah, I know they're working on those uh, battery-powered semis, but I think that's going to be a while yet. All right, up next, Farm Bureau Economist Veronica Nye joins us. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA.
4: Heading to the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois this year? Be sure to stop by the Syngenta booth to talk with local agronomists and product experts. Then visit the Syngenta Square to relax and enjoy a cold beverage. During the show, Mike Adams of Adams on Agriculture will be broadcasting live all three days from Syngenta booth 441. Stop by to watch the show live at 9 a.m. That's booth 441 at 9 a.m. We look forward to seeing you in Decatur at the Farm Progress Show.
7: Progressive Farmer knows unique content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy to listen to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Moth, as I interview some of agriculture's best thought leaders. You'll have a front row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts.
0: This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. And our guest today is Kent Beadle, Director of Producer Brokerage for CHS Hedging, here to talk about alternative grain contracts. Kent, there are a lot of uh, different grain contracts for farmers out there today. Just what are alternative grain contracts?
11: Alternative grain contracts are not all that unlike normal grain contracts, but they do specify delivery to a local elevator. What is different about them is that they are uh, hedged via uh, over-the-counter mechanisms. What that typically means for the farmer is that these contracts have some amount of optionality involved in the pricing structure. So that means more specifically that there might be an average uh, contract with some sort of a floor established. It might mean that there's a premium paid for old crop bushels in exchange for an obligation for new crop bushels. Or through uh, option sales, it might mean that you would accumulate bushels over time at a Price that's higher than the actual market price, but taking on some obligations such as uh, double up requirements and or knockout clauses.
0: Kent, how do these types of contracts fit into a farmer's marketing plan?
11: Well, we recommend that alternative contracts have a small part in a grower's marketing plan Generally, with contracts like the accumulator, which is one of the most popular contracts, we would recommend that they only dedicate 20 to 30 percent of their overall crop production to a contract like this. But if, in fact, the grower does understand the benefits and the obligations of contracts like this, we do think it has a place in a grower's marketing plan.
0: That's Kent Beadle, director of producer brokerage for CHS Hedging. Thanks for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of co-op ownership from CHS at cooperativeownership.com. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams.
0: We continue to look at the ag economy. Last time we talked with American Farm Bureau Federation economist Veronica Nye. We were talking about rising input costs, certainly a challenge that uh, even during this time of higher commodity prices, uh, the higher input costs uh, are a, a factor for farmers to deal with. Um, even with a strong market that we've seen for some time now, there are still Economic challenges out there for some farmers. So we want to look at the the farm bankruptcy numbers. Veronica, thank you for joining us. Uh, what levels are we at right now with uh, farm bankruptcies compared to a year ago or two years ago?
10: Um, yeah. So you know, actually, uh, for the first time since 2015, um, the overall national data on farm Chapter 12 farm bankruptcies is that we've actually seen a decline which of course is is welcome news mm-hmm. uh, but measuring from july one 2020 through june 30 2021, um that that's the basis uh, for for counting or look we saw four hundred and thirty eight uh, chapter 12 bankruptcies uh in the us which was down twenty four percent from where we were in the same period that ended you know june 30 2020 so uh, certainly, the right direction. Uh, though, you know, I'd be remiss to if I didn't say, you know, every farm bankruptcy that that we see is, is certainly cause for pause and um, is uh, un- unfortunate. So, um, not to not not to jump out with the hey, good news, uh, right. but still acknowledging that you know any any farm loss is 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 unfortunate.
0: Yeah, the good news it's trending in the right direction, but as you said, uh, there are still those. Uh, individual issues and uh, uh, challenges that are faced out there and we hate to see anyone go through that Um, so when we look at the overall ag economy uh, another time of strong prices uh, they're you know up and down a little bit but overall certainly higher levels than we've seen for some time that gives opportunities but uh, as we've talked about before, the higher input costs. There are challenges. You got to still manage that right. So uh, uh, just because the commodity prices are higher, that doesn't mean everything is uh, everybody's going to do uh, great and uh, all all problems go away. It just doesn't quite work that way, does it?
10: No, unfortunately, it doesn't. And you know, I think when we look at regional data, it starts um, becoming more apparent what the some of those challenges might be. Um, obviously, you mentioned the input prices, which is, uh, is, is certainly weighing heavy on, on folks. But uh, when you look at this, uh, the west and the southwest who are going through substantial amount of, uh, you know, un, un, sort of unprecedented drought right now, um, we saw a significant uptick in those regions uh, for the number of, of bankruptcies. Um, and unfortunately, uh, we... One would expect that that, um, that we'll probably see some more um, when we look back next year around this time. So, you know, in in the Southwest, which is a region that doesn't tend to have a lot of, of bankruptcies, um, 41% increase this year compared to, to last. In the West, which the West is, is um, Cali- basically California, um, you saw an, a 13% increase. So certainly, um, Certain parts of the country uh, have seen a a rather significant increase uh, despite the overall uh, positive trend of a decline in numbers.
0: Yeah, we're reminded that it doesn't matter how high grain prices are, if you don't have any to sell or you don't have much to sell, it really doesn't help you. So uh, there are some folks dealing with that. I always find one of the most uh, misleading uh, figures or statistics that are put out each year when when they come out with average farm income and they'll say well average farm income is up this year well uh that doesn't tell the whole story to i mean you got to have uh hires and lowers of from, on that to get an average right so there's a lot of stories behind those numbers
10: absolutely and and you know to to that effect mike i think what's also important to remember is that um one year does not a Good business make. So we've had, you know, improving commodity prices, um, and and certainly there are folks who are, um, you know, we're all excited about that. But we can't forget that we had a number of years of lower commodity prices where folks were in trade disruptions and all of the and weather disasters that have that have been so prevalent uh, and substantial in the last several years. We can't forget about those, and so so many operations had to dig pretty deep into savings to stay afloat in those lean years. Um, and it takes a, a several years of, of good business in order to rebuild those those savings. So, um, you know, I, I think we have to be careful when viewing these average numbers, um, either on the farm income side or bankruptcy side, um, because, uh, you know, one, one data point doesn't make a trend and it's, we can really look at um, these, the tide turning fairly quickly mm-hmm. uh, if uh, commodity prices or, you know, a disaster hit.
0: And the other side of you know, high uh, grain prices, uh, if you're on the livestock side, if you're on the buying side, you need that feed. Uh, that makes it harder for those folks uh, to, uh, to see a profit. So, I mean, you got to look at both sides of that coin.
10: Absolutely. If you're in the well, livestock business, either you know, um, in,
0: the, in on the meat
10: side of life, or if you're on the on the milk side, um, all of those inputs certainly add up. Uh, and you know, something that we've um, I've already mentioned the drought, but we've done surveys of our members in the in the West, Southwest, and Upper Midwest um, that are experiencing drought, and um, certainly the increase uh prices for grain and and hay that they were experiencing um are significant but now that they're going through drought those um those feedstuffs are even harder to find which will obviously increase the cost um and then when you're thinking about the alternative of grazing um grazing isn't as as, uh, much of an option of course when there isn't grass out there growing Mm -hmm. so uh, unfortunately, a lot of our folks in, in, in that part of the world um, are going to be met with a lot of unfortunate options.
0: Right. Kind of just point out that headlines uh, can be deceiving. So you need to look at kind of behind the headlines and between the lines a little bit to the individual situations. All right. Always good to talk with you, Veronica. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. American Farm Bureau Federation Economist Veronica Nye. All right, tomorrow I'll be in Decatur, Illinois, our final preview of next week's Farm Progress Show. Hope you'll join us here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Choose the
5: proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend Max herbicide with VaporGrip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. The system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state.
4: Anyone can sell you soybean seed. Channel Seedsmen place products to perform. With Channel ExtendFlex soybeans and Channel Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans, you'll get the excellent weed control you want and the high-yield potential you need. Make the most of the next season with the Roundup Ready Extend crop system and expert recommendations from Channel Seedsmen. Ask a seedsman in your area for recommendations for your fields check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state always read and follow grain marketing and all their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions